There's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. We decided to do something a little different given the current state of the world. And I really wanted to show up in a way that was available to support everyone, no matter what's going on. So we created the Soulfire online retreat series. And for a week, we are having discussions with a wide variety of incredible people from different industries, different walks of life, different belief systems who all have the same goal as we do, creating community and connection during this time. And today's guest is such an incredible woman, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation because, holy shit, she gave us a lot of good information, and she really went through a lot of things that were seen on the news and picked them apart and gave us facts and truth. And that is what I am here for. Annalise Bretthauer is a certified financial planner. She's also a Crohn's warrior. So for all of my chronic illness, autoimmune disease warriors out there, she is one of us. She's working on helping professionals who value health and wellness manage their financial world. But at this time, she is really stepping up to be a voice for people, to help them understand the current state of the economy, what to do with your money in a crisis, What should we be prioritizing at this time? How we should look at the current state and the different steps we can take to protect ourselves, help our friends and family, and just show up in a way of love and support with financial guidance that makes sense for us. This is probably the most important conversation we're going to have the entire week because this is a huge pain point for so many people and no one knows what to do. And I am just so grateful that she came on to really dive into a very honest conversation about what is going on in the world. If you guys want to join in live for these conversations, we would absolutely love to have you. So you can go to the link in my bio and sign up. You can also go to soulfireproductionsco.com and click on online retreat series and give us your email and we will get you all the details. We have people talking about somatic therapy, uh, business owners, gym owners, the state of gyms at this time and what it will look like in the future, connecting with your body, therapy sessions, breath work, talking about eating disorders and how prevalent they are at this time when we all feel very out of control and just the state of mental health overall. So we would love to have you guys for the Soul Fire Online Retreat Series. It's free. We're not getting anything out of this except for supporting you. That is my number one priority right now. If you want to connect with Annalise, go to A-N-N-E-L-I-S-E 
Brett Hauer, B-R-E-T-T-H-A-U-E-R on Instagram. All right, let's get to this one. Annalise, sure. thank you so much for being with me. You're so welcome. Thanks for having this. me. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting time to be connecting with so many inspiring people across the country. And I don't know if you feel this, but I collectively feel like there's this massive shift happening. And within this massive shift across the globe, there's also this heaviness and this energy of unknown and fear for so many reasons top of which being people are dying across the world. And that is a horrific feeling to feel helpless in a lot of ways. Um, Though staying at home, of course, can help, people are still dying. And it's really scary to know that we can't make huge changes um, on our own. And we're really at the mercy of a lot of people that we don't necessarily have direct contact with. But I also think so many people losing their jobs, their financial stability, the knowns of what's coming next. And I would love for you to share with us where you are right now and what this experience has been like for you. Yeah. Thanks for that question. I'm new to having my own financial planning business. Um, For three years, I was a financial planner at a a fairly large firm in Portland, Oregon. And so um, what I really enjoy about having my own business right now is I get to choose to help more people than I would typically be able to reach. So um, right now I'm part of a network called XY Planning Network and they send out an email asking any of the advisors who want to offer free COVID-19 financial support calls. So there's a lot of us doing that right now and I'm happy to send you the link after this for people who want to take advantage of that. Um, But there's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of fear Um, There's a lot of panic. And so as a financial planner, I think my role right now is to kind of help calm some of that from the financial perspective. We are going to be okay. Um, Of course, there is that real threat uh, of death and and there's so much unknown, but there are still things that we can control. So if we can focus on those and try to keep our spirits high, um, that will help us get through this together. Mm. And just before we move on, I want to remind everyone who's joining us, if you guys have any questions, please just drop them into the question box, into the chat, and we will get to those as we get going. I think one of the scariest things is not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from. And so many people are in that boat. They don't have this giant savings. And, you know, you look at millennials and the generation after us, and do we have this huge savings that we can rely on for six months to a year, not knowing what's going to happen? So what's your advice for people where we stand right now, a couple of weeks into this quarantine, not sure where it's going to be, not sure when checks from the government are coming and what we can do to be mindful about this moment? Yeah, well, this is interesting timing because, um, Thankfully, as of this morning, we do have a little bit more clarity on what's going to come from the government. So I'll get into that. But to start, take action. So I would start by, if you have loans, calling your lenders, asking them, what can you do for me? Can you freeze my payment? Can you lower my interest rate? Can you work with me somehow? Taking that step. And yeah, it does. It's not fun. And it takes a long time. And it can be frustrating. So you know, give yourself something that you're looking forward to, ice cream or whatever it is after. But um, people are really receptive. Mm 
when you ask for help. A lot more receptive than if you just stop paying. Um, so everybody's in this together and they're understanding. I do the same with your property manager or whoever you're renting from. Um, just ask for a discount. It cannot hurt to ask. Explain your situation. Explain how you're making decisions. Talk about you know, a plan that you've made and just ask anyone you can. Of course, um, ideally you have a budget and you can go there and you can look to see what expenses you can cut. But I'm guessing that a lot of people don't. And in that circumstance, right now is the time to, to spend some time to have that awareness, to kind of look at your spending, to create a budget. It doesn't have to be line item by line item. Um, but just being really aware and being able to make conscious choices with your money is important. So let me, I wrote some notes here. I'm from the new stimulus bill. So oh good. You can explain it to me because I tried to read it earlier and you all know how that went. <laughs> so I, I want to caveat this by saying there's been so much information that the media media has been circulating, which can be really difficult because you don't know, you know, what's old, what's new, what's right, what's wrong. Um, and so be careful about where you're you're gathering your data. Um, but let me give you some of the high points of the direct payments and then the changes with unemployment through the new stimulus bill. So of course, you have to be a U.S. resident and you have to have a social security number to get a direct payment. Um, but there's going to be, right now it's just a single payment up to $1,200 for adults and an additional $500 for every child 16 or under. And to get the maximum payment, your gross income for an individual needs to be less than $75,000 and for a couple, $150,000. There's a phase out that ends um, at an individual that makes over $99,000 and for a couple, over $198,000. So I'm throwing out a lot of numbers there and it's probably hard to keep track of. But what you need to know is if you're single and you make under $75,000, you will be eligible for the maximum payment of $1,200 per adult, $500 per child under age 16. If you make over that, say Mm -hmm. you make Uh $100,000, it lessens by what, $100, right? Oh, I didn't write down the specifics about how, but but if you make over $99,000 as a single person, so if you make $100,000 as a single person, you you won't get any payment. No money at all. No money at all. Got it. Correct. And that is that number is $198,000 for a couple. Okay. So really the bill is targeting lower to middle income Americans, um, which I think makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of us that, that that make more than that, then I would much rather have somebody who who makes less less get the payment. So um, right now they're going to be using 2019 tax returns. So if you have not filed your 2019 tax return, that's how they determine your income. They'll look at your 2018 tax return and payments are expected in the next three weeks. So ideally, if you've been filing your taxes electronically and paying Um, Your tax bill electronically, the IRS has your banking information. And if everything goes as planned, it should come as a nice direct deposit straight into your account. Okay. So that should give some relief. And then I noticed that if you owe back taxes to the IRS or anything along those lines, you would still be eligible to receive payments because they haven't set up the new system yet. 
That's a very much an it depends specific circumstance. Um, I think there's still not enough clarity for for what that looks like. Um, but ultimately, this is a generous offering, and so hopefully, you know, more and more people will be eligible. And then they're only doing it for one month for now. Is that correct? Just a single payment right now. That could change. Right. But as it stands right now, it would be a single payment. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Where do I go from here? (laughs) Do you want to talk about unemployment? Yeah, please. Okay. So there's a lot here. Um, And I, if people have questions about this, please write them in the chat and I'll do my best to answer them. But essentially, unemployment uh, has been widely expanded to cover also self-employed people and part-time workers. So how much you receive will be dependent upon your state. But in addition to what your state allocates, if you're eligible for unemployment, everyone will get an additional $600 per week on top of their state. Okay. So can you back up just a second? So if I get, if I make less than $75,000 and I get a check for Mm $1,200, but I also file for for unemployment, I get that on top of the $1,200? Yep. Two separate. So you could get the one-time payment um, and then you could also file for unemployment. And typically their, their unemployment is a lot more stringent than the expansion that, that they've just passed with the stimulus bill. So, um, yeah, so typically self-employed people or part-time workers, it would be hard to get unemployment. Now they're, they're easing all of those requirements so that it covers more people. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting because almost everyone I know is either a free, freelancer or entrepreneur, self-employed. Mm-hmm. And so I would imagine it would be much harder in regular circumstances. So you're saying they're trying to make it easier for more people to receive unemployment at this time. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Easier for a lot more people. So this includes gig workers, freelancers, independent contractors. They're all considered self-employment. So if you can't work, um, there's a good chance that you will be eligible. I mean, in addition to just widening the program, the government, so typically your state is going to be paying your unemployment, your check, which is why it varies widely based Mm -hmm. state, state by state. But in addition to that, anyone who's eligible for unemployment gets an additional $600 per week for four months. Oh, wow. That's huge. That's almost bigger than this other bill. Uh, So it's all under the same, the same stimulus bill. It's just the different, um, whether you're looking at loans. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. Is there anything else in unemployment that we need to know about? Well, if you can't work because of uh, school, so if you have a child who's going to school or daycare um, and that that prevents you from being able to work or if you were required to self-quarantine by a healthcare provider and that that takes you out of the workforce, those people are also covered under unemployment. Okay. For for the time for the time being. So, the only people who really aren't covered is if you quit and you quit because you were scared of contracting the virus at work. Got it. Then you won't be covered. You would not be covered. Yeah. So someone just asked the question, if your company just closed down during this time, are you eligible to apply for unemployment also or only if you're laid off officially? If your company closed down, so shut the doors, you should be eligible. 
that technically, you know, the, the terminology layoff wouldn't apply, but um, you're unable to work because of circumstances out of your hands. Yes. Um, and then a couple other questions based on what we were talking about before. Um, someone asked, do you recommend taking advantage of any 0% credit card offerings right now or using them for balance transfers? Ooh, that is a great question. And it is, I wish I had a very simple answer. It's really an it depends. If, if you can, if you're prepared to pay off your balances in that time, then yeah, go for it. But if you don't know, if there's uncertainty in your life um, or you don't have, you know you won't have the money to pay, it, it's really just kicking the can down the road. And I would start with calling your current credit card company and saying, can you reduce my interest rate? Can you freeze my payment? What can you do for me mm. in that circumstance? And then based on the tax returns you were saying, um, they asked if we haven't done our 2019 taxes, should we hold off so they use our 2018 tax return? Ooh, that's a good question. I wish I could ask this person. Is it because did they make significantly more money in 2019? Uh, maybe maybe she'll type it in. Okay. We'll we'll give her a second to type that in. Sure. I'm, I think given that she's asking that question or he, whoever's asking that question, um, I'm guessing that they probably did make significantly more money in 2019. And or if, given the scenario, like I still haven't finished my 2019 taxes mm -hmm. um, and I was because I was slow to get it all done. Um, I just didn't get them done. So it'll go off 2018. But if I were to rush to file my 2019, is that something I should be doing regardless of making more or less money the last year? I wouldn't rush to do anything because we haven't had very clear guidance on how exactly this is going to work. And I suspect we won't. Got it. So um, I would do what you can. Don't rush into anything. You know, just kind of take it step by step, day by day. Um, and this brings up a, a good point that the tax filing and tax payment deadline has been pushed to July 15th. So initially they were just pushing the payment deadline. Now it's also the filing deadline, which I have seen applies to IRA contributions as well. So you could make contributions to your IRA. Um, for 2019 up until July 15th, which is a, a nice benefit for somebody who does have extra cash. Right. She says that um, it's pretty similar what she made in 18 and 19, but she's wondering if it'll delay the check. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Um, hopefully she was filing electronically. So the only reason that I foresee right now, of course, this could change um, to delay a check would be if you have been doing your taxes via paperwork and not filing electronically. So that if that's sounds the like case, a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and shockingly, some people are still doing that. Um, but if that's the case, they have to physically mail you a check because they don't have banking information. So that could be an issue. Or if you um, shut down your bank account that you paid with last year, that could also be an issue. Um, or if you moved, I guess? Uh, it shouldn't matter because your bank account, hopefully. I guess if you moved your, your, your bank, you know, if you left Wells Fargo and went to Chase or you left Chase and went to a credit union or something like that in the last year, um, that could be an issue. And I actually, let me pull this up. 
because there is some information about what to do if you don't see your payment. Uh, Give me a second here. These questions are great, you guys. Keep them coming in. Let's try and stump her. See what she doesn't have. Oh yeah, for. try to stump me. I'm sure you can. There's so much to know. Okay, so you should get a paper notice in the mail no later than a few weeks after payments have been dispersed. So um, if they make their three week time frame, we're talking about you know a month to two months. Um, and the notice would give you information about where your payment went. So if you haven't gotten it. At that point, you need to contact the IRS. Um, And it it says that within that notice, there will be a phone number or form to fill out to contact the IRS in that case. Okay. You mentioned something earlier about not just stopping payments for things. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where things can get very muddy for people is we th- we hear a lot of stuff on on the news and on the interwebs that is misinformation about um, people not having to pay for things on time, deadlines being drawn out, and so all of a sudden there are people that will take that and just stop paying their credit card payments, their student loans, their rent, their mortgage, their monthly utilities because they think that oh well, this means that everything's on hold and I don't have to pay any bills right now. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that looks like and why calling people ahead of time before not making a payment, whether if it's to lower the interest rate or to hold off on a payment or to lower it is a much better route to go? Yeah. And part of this is because there is not a lot of guidance on exactly what's going to happen. There is a lot being thrown around and everybody is trying their best to help people because choosing between your rent and food is not a choice that we want Americans to have to make. So from that perspective, not kicking the can down the road is the best case scenario. Right now, a lot of us are fortunate to, even though if we don't have income, we have more time and using that time as efficiently as possible to kind of get on top of some of these things is really the equivalent of paying yourself first. You know, paying yourself um, now instead of kicking the can down the road. And and maybe down the road, they'll be less willing to work with you too. So it's just kind of taking advantage of this um, circumstances that we have now. You know, it's so personalized everyone's circumstances and and everybody's relationship with money is so different. We grew up differently with money. Um, and so it, it's kind of getting over some of those hurdles and, and gathering that awareness and saying, okay, I'm going to call this, these three lenders that I have and I'm going to ask and it's going to be uncomfortable and I don't want to do it, but I'm going to feel so much better afterwards mm. versus saying, I'm just going to put this in the drawer and ignore it until I can't anymore. And then you've just got the monkey on your back. Right. Well, and I think this speaks to a bigger uh, opportunity for us to take the ego out of this and be mm. willing to ask for help. Yes. I think so many of us, myself included, are go-getters and doers. And we think, I'm going to do all this on my own and I can handle everything and I've got this. And this is an incredible moment of unity where we can really reach out to people because say you're paying rent, the people who own the property you have 
they are also in a quarantine and a lockdown. This, the, the, this has leveled the playing field for humanity as a whole. So it's not like if I call the person I'm paying rent to, they're going to have no care in the world about what I'm dealing with. They're also going through the same thing. They may have more money than I do and they may not be paying rent. Maybe they have a house and a mortgage that they can afford, but they're also going to be affected because if they're not making money, then they may not be able to pay for their bills the, the same way. So I think that there's a common understanding across the world that there may not have been before. And it, now is the time for us to really check ourselves and take a deep breath and know that asking for help does not make you weak or bad or a failure. No. Asking for help is a, a sign of willingness to collaborate and work together and ask for someone to show up for you the way you, I hope that you would show up for someone else. Yeah, yeah. There, there's an opportunity to build a lot of goodwill in the world right now. And I think that's a great point. You know, I haven't really thought of it quite like that before. It's like leveling the playing field. But truly, we are all in this together. And we are all in this trying to figure it out to help each other. Even though we're not, you know, directly next to each other, we're helping each other from afar, um, which I find the, the social distancing interesting because really it's physical distancing, not necessarily social distancing. So, um, which I think plays into it too. You know, the terminology that the government is using and the media is using um, perpetuates some of that. And we have an opportunity to change that for our communities and, and our relationships with each other. Yeah. I was just thinking this morning on my drive, I just thought, wow, this has truly leveled the playing field in a way we may have never seen before. You can't buy your way out of this. You can't celebrity status your way out of this. You may get faster medical attention and that could be beneficial. But aside from that, there's really no way out. If you contract the virus, you contract the virus. There are tons of people out of work at varying ranges and levels of income and status across the globe right now. So if yeah. ever there is a time for someone to understand why you need help and why you're reaching out, now is the time. And I just think that it's, again, an opportunity for us to go out of our way to support each other as much as we can, whatever that looks like. And being kind, when you make those calls to your lender, to the bank, to the credit card company, knowing that whoever is on the other line is probably in a similar situation to you. I've heard so many horror stories around people who work at Target who are just being berated and bullied by evil people every day trying to get all of the things they need. What do you think those people are going through? the exact same thing. So how can we show compassion and empathy at this time and show up for each other? I love that. Yes. Thank you. We should, <laughs> we should blast that to the world. Yeah, I'm going to make a meme out of that. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't personally go through this, so I'm not sure what this looks like, but I would love your perspective on what student loans look like right now and how people can approach that. Yeah, I wrote some notes on this too, because there is quite a bit that's happening with student loans um, with the stimulus bill as well. So for anyone that has federal government loans, um, subsidized loans, um, parent plus loans under the government until September 30th, there'll be an automatic payment suspension. So you will not be accruing interest and you will not need to pay on your student loans. So where this gets a little bit complicated is if you have loans that were taken out longer ago than 10 years, 
so 15, 20 years ago, um, those loans could be under the federal family education loan system, and those are not covered by this, and neither are state agency loans, Perkins loans, or private lender loans. So um, go to studentaid.gov um, and, and make sure that you understand where your loans came from and if you're eligible for this automatic payment suspension. So as I said, no interest will be accruing during the payment suspension. Um, and if you're somebody that hasn't been paying on your loans, this can be a really nice opportunity to, to get back to in good standing with your loans. Um, there's a couple programs I should, I can't remember the name right now. Um, but if, if you haven't been paying, reach out and um, there's a nine month program where you can get back into the green with your loans, um, back in good graces of the, the lenders. And um, the, the six months that you don't have to pay right now is eligible for that nine months. So really you're only having to pay three months and you know, you're back, you're back doing okay. So um, I'm not a student loan expert. There are financial planners who are student loan experts, but this is, this is a time again to kind of lean in and, and gather information and go to reputable sources like studentaid.gov to make sure you understand. So from your planning stance, would you recommend if you have been paying student loans on a monthly basis for the last couple of years to reallocate those funds into whether it's food and groceries or for your rent or mortgage at this time? Yeah. If you have other debt, especially high interest debt, like credit card debt or personal loans, reallocate that money. Yeah, I would. If you're, if you're making ends meet, if you're able to buy food and gas and you're okay there, I would be very strategic about how you use those funds to um, have the best bang for your buck. For people that do maybe have some some sort of savings, whether it's $5,000 or $75,000, and I know that there's a lot of penalties for reaching into 401ks and, and IRAs, I believe. Um, what would your recommendations be when push comes to shove where to go into your savings and what the right steps would be for that? Is your question about investing? No, I mean, if I had, a, if I have a 401k or I have mm -hmm. a savings, of course, we're all hesitant to go dip into our savings because mm -hmm. it's something we've worked so hard for. But at this state, I think a lot of people are going to have to do that. So what's the best way to go to go about that and to avoid penalties in doing that. Sure. Okay. So unless absolutely, absolutely necessary, do not touch your 401k. The only time you're locking in a loss is when you sell. So if you have to go in and sell um, stocks, bonds, um, whatever is in your 401k, you're locking in that loss and it is very, very difficult to make up. So as much as it's painful to watch what's happening with the stock market. It's a little bit better now, but um, still painful. Put that aside. It, it's a chance you need to kind of talk to your investment advisor, your 401k provider um, about your asset allocation, which is your number of stocks to your number of bonds. And that determines how much risk you're taking on. Um, but aside from that, put it aside. 
leave it be. If you're close to retirement, it's another question, but assuming that you have time before retirement, um, use, use your cash as you need to, um, and then make a plan to replenish that cash. That's good. My other thing that comes up with that, I think a lot of people are in a place where their parents are being affected by this. Mm. Um, and some people have children as well. So they're, they're looking out for a generation behind them and then a generation ahead of them. Yeah. And there's a, a lot of burden and pressure. Mm-hmm. What would your recommendations be to show up financially for family members, for friends, for parents that may need assistance, but you're also trying to take care of yourself? Yeah. The first thing is to talk about money. Money is such a taboo topic. And I really, over my lifetime, hope that I can play a role in changing that. Because having open conversations about money is so important. So that not only are you learning from your parents' mistakes and the things that they've done well, and you can apply them to yourself, but vice versa, they can learn from you. Um, So having those open lines of communication is really important. If you're somebody who has successfully, you know, written and managed a budget and your parents haven't, reaching out and helping them with that kind of thing can be really helpful. Um, You have to make sure that you're okay first. You know, you and your kids are okay first. And, And if you can help your parents, great. But that should be something that you're sitting down, you're thinking through your understanding, your circumstance, you have a good gauge on your job security, um, and you can show up for them in ways that help them make financial decisions without giving them money. Mm. So that's such a personal, personal choice that I think has to start by having open lines of communication. And I think also understanding that we cannot save or rescue anyone in this Mm. moment. And as someone who loves to help and rescue people, I know that even just writing a check to someone isn't going to fix the problem. And if this lasts longer than a month, then there's a perpetual need for more assistance. And I, I would hate to see people get themselves in a hole because they're trying to help everyone around them at the expense of themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You really have to look, look inward first and get really clear on what you need, what your family needs. I would look out at least six to 12 months and make sure that you're covering your family first. Um, and, and if when you do that, you find you can't support your parents by sending them a check, you can get creative in other ways to support them. Um, And in turn, you know, people don't make good decisions when they're panicked and in fear. So um, helping that, that piece of it can help have clarity and peace of mind to make better financial decisions Mm -hmm. during this time. If someone does have money set aside and they're in a stable spot right now, Mm -hmm. is this a time to be investing in the stock market? I love this question. And I've gotten this one quite a few times. If you are new to investing in the stock market, this is not the time to jump in headfirst. This is really the time to educate yourself on investing principles and um, investing strategies so that um, you can make educated choices. Um, 
reaching out to a financial planner like myself can be helpful. But if you are comfortable investing, if you if you are um, educated in investing principles, then this can be a buying opportunity. And I'll speak to what I'm doing personally. Right now, um, I've been what you call cost averaging into the market. So that's where you take a certain dollar amount. So let's just say it's $1,000. Let's say I want to invest um, $5,000 over a period of time. So I guess if we're doing $5,000, let us say I take $500 every day or every Monday or every Wednesday, I choose a day and I'm buying the same investment for the same dollar amount. So the shares will be different based on whether the market has gone up or gone down. But over time, that's why they call it cost averaging. So over time, you're averaging out what they call your cost basis or your purchase price for that investment um, because you can't time the market. Nobody knows. None of us can time the market. If anybody tells you they can, just turn the other way because um, we can't. So cost averaging in is a way to reduce some of that um, risk over time. And we, of course, know that so many people were selling off their stocks like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it seems like investing in the stock market, from what I understand, is really a long-term play. It's not about what I can make in the next week or the next month or even the next year. It's a long-term play. So if people have money in stocks and they have been watching this happen, do you sell off or do you ride this wave and trust that it will come back as it always does? It just takes time. Thank you for asking that follow-up question because I really should have gotten into that before answering the last question, which is that don't short-term money in the stock market. As you mentioned, investing in the stock market is a long-term game. So um, the, the gauge I use with my clients is if you think you're going to need this money in the next five years, it's not money that should be going into the stock market. So um, in that case, if you if you are you have funds that you won't be needing in the next five to seven years um, and you do invest in the market, that's a good time to understand what is your risk tolerance. You know, we understand your time horizon is long, but what is your risk tolerance? Because if you are somebody that is risk averse and you go in all equities, so all stocks, and you have a panic when your account is down 30% and you sell, you, you, I don't want to say you can't, but it's very, very difficult to make that back. So um, that money should be money that you don't need, that you've set aside and riding the wave. That's part of what we do as financial planners to help our clients ride the wave. Yeah. I love that insight. That's so good. It's true. I think just like you said, not to make rash decisions with anything at this time, making payments, uh, freaking out about cash, the same thing goes for the stock market. This is really, it's looking long-term, even though in the short term there is panic. It's, I think, from my perspective, it's just keeping perspective, keeping the idea of the bigger picture, not getting lost uh, in what's happening just today and knowing that this has happened in a myriad of ways over hundreds of years across the globe where we have been in, in depressions and horrible things have happened and there have been pandemics. And Connor keeps saying to me, it's 2020 and we're here and look at how we bounce back and we forget how resilient we are as people and humanity and the fact that we always find a way. 
And yes, there will be casualty and loss in businesses that don't make it during this time. But we have a way to survive. We find a way and it's keeping the focus on that and knowing that not all is lost. The world is not ending, though sometimes it feels that way, especially when your bank account is running really low and to keep your eye focused on the long-term game of all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's this balance of having the awareness to make the best choice you can now and hold, you can hold both of those things together keeping that positive mindset of the long term because as humans that is our superpower resiliency i want to get to another question um someone said kelly your comment about parents made me think about my mom she has diabetes and it was recommended those folks are more cautious my mom is still working because she makes meals for schools would you happen to know if she voluntarily stopped working would she qualify for unemployment unless she has been told by a healthcare professional that she needs to self-quarantine? No. So that's kind of the key here. And of course, this gets into outside of my expertise, but if she were to call her doctor and, you know, talk about her situation and, and them to respond saying, you, it would be in your best interest and everyone else's best interest if you self-quarantine and they give her a note that says that, then yes. She so would the, be covered. So the deal is go to the doctor and get doctor's note. Or call, call the doctor. Call, yes, call the doctor. <laughs> no one, please don't go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, please keep bringing in questions. I just got another one. For those who don't have a savings and are living paycheck to paycheck, do you have any advice? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, this it's a tough spot to be in and so i think we definitely want to recognize that and and give you a lot of credit for asking that question um because that's a hard question to ask and a a hard decision to make but start if you have loans start by contacting your lenders and asking what can you do for me can you reduce my interest rate can you freeze my payments um and then go to um, wherever you're renting from, if you're renting an apartment, ask them the same thing. Um, try your best to just carve out um, funds for what you need and using this time to get really clear on um, what that looks like. Um, so again, having that awareness and and I talk about having that awareness. What that looks like is going into your bank account and looking at your transactions. And I I recommend to clients to just start by opening the app every day. Don't even ask yourself to do anything more than open the app. And when you get comfortable doing that, you will start to get curious and you will will look a little bit further um, and you can take it step by step and then it won't feel so overwhelming. Because I think for a lot of people who are Um, living paycheck to paycheck, this feels very overwhelming. Well, and I like what you said earlier because there's such a stigma around money and we don't want to talk about it. It's like this taboo topic that we don't discuss it. Not only do we not discuss it, we don't even look at it ourselves. In the Mm -hmm. comfort of our home, in our pajamas, on our computer where no one can see us, we're not going onto the Wells Fargo app and looking at where we're spending money. I I am personally not great at this. And that's why I've had to get a bookkeeper for my personal and company finances to tell me, this is where you're spending money. And when it gets real and you see the numbers laid out on a pie chart or a graph and you realize what's going out 
and what's coming in and where you're spending your money, then you can be more honest with yourselves. And maybe it's not right now where you have this like amazing financial plan. Of course, we're in the middle of a crisis, but when this is over, whenever that is, to be able to be honest with yourself and to look at that every single day and to know this is where I stand. This is how I'm going to be smart about my money moving forward. And knowing that a pandemic or a crisis could come out of nowhere at any given moment, I'm going to have this many funds set aside so that I'm never in this situation again. Because not only was the government not prepared for this and the world at large, but we as individuals were not prepared for this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think part of that too is because we were in the longest bull market ever, meaning that the stock market went up for the longest period of time um, in history. And so a lot of us forget or weren't old enough to really felt the impact of 2008 or 1999. So um, yeah, it's kind of a reality check in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love for you to get into any of the questions that you're following or your clients have been coming to you with. Yeah, sure. So I've had quite a lot of questions about people who were thinking about making big purchases. So buying a car, buying a house, that sort of thing, asking, should I be doing that right now? And the answer is, If you have done the work to know that you can afford it comfortably, and if you have job security, then business as usual. I think you go right ahead. It can be a good time. Mortgage rates are the lowest they've been in a very long time. Um, And a lot of car financing institutions are offering competitive rates. Um, So if that's something that's really comfortable and you know it is, then go ahead. If it's not, if you know it was pushing the boundaries of your financial security, or if you don't know whether it was or not, hit the pause button and take the time to really dig in deep and figure out, is this something, is this a good financial decision for the long term? Because those are long-term purchases. Um, so that, that's a question that a lot of people have been asking right now, especially because we've seen the media talk about mortgage rates and um, what the Federal Reserve has been doing. Well, I've had also people ask, how much should I have in my emergency fund? Mm. And ideally, you have six months of living expenses. For most people, that is a big number that feels very scary. And so um, I have a couple things that I, that I talk to people about. And one is it's the habit that matters. It's the saving habit that truly matters. So if you can open a savings account and you can start with $1 or $10 or $100 and automate your savings every week, every other week, every month um, to go from your checking to your savings, that is what matters. You will get there to what you need. Um, So save early and save often automate your savings whenever possible, which also works for people who have uneven income. You just have to be a little bit more creative about it. Um, And then increase the dollar amount you save every couple months. So obviously right now it's not a time where most of us can be increasing our savings amount, but we will get to a place where we can do that. Um, So it's again, creating that habit of doing that. And then once you achieve um, your fully funded savings account, then you get to start thinking about what else do you want to save for? It doesn't mean stop saving. It just means start allocating somewhere else. Mm. 
So good. A couple of questions that just came up to me as you were talking about this. Um, one thing I had seen, and of course, don't know if this is accurate or not, but I had read that they were pushing off evictions. So if you didn't pay your rent, then you weren't going to be evicted ne- next month. What does that look like from what you've seen? Yeah, I think this is a state by state um, designation. So I'm in the state of Oregon and right now Kate Brown, our governor, our governor did implement a no eviction policy. Um, so that doesn't mean that you won't have to pay your rent. It just means that you won't have to pay it right now. Um, so it looks like someone said, so did California. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of States are, are, are right behind and on all the more reason to reach out to whoever's managing your property that you're renting from because they know this and having good renters is so valuable as a property owner. Um, so they, I suspect they will work with you, but yes, you, you should be, you should be able to have a roof over your head. Um, and we all deserve that. Absolutely. Someone just asked, given the stimulus that uh, package that was just passed, what are your views on timing for recovery, a U-shape or a V-shape? Unemployment is reach- reaching record-breaking highs with the current climate. What do you envision the process looking like for getting everyone back into the workforce in some capacity and timing for doing so? I wish I had a magic eight ball to tell me exactly exactly what that's going to look like, but nobody does. Um, with that being said, we will recover. It's just exactly how you said, how long and how bad. And to be completely honest with you, I don't think we have enough clarity yet to make any assumptions about that. Um, There's just so many uncertainties happening. Uh, Even this morning, they're talking about certain states, Florida, uh, a couple others I can't remember, that may just be on the beginning of of coronavirus and COVID-19. And so until we have a complete visual and understanding and the government, you know, it, our president is not helping in this c- capacity. Um, I don't want to get into political views, but everybody needs to be kind of walking, rowing in the same boat to to be able to recover. And so until we have clarity on how we're going to get there, I don't think there's, um, it, it's just too hard to, to project. Well, and I, I saw this morning or last night that there could be another giant wave of the pandemic. So it could die down globally yep. and then reemerge and they just don't know. And that speaks to the unknowns you're talking about. We could have all this foresight until what's going to happen and everyone back in the workforce by Easter. All these things sound amazing. I am, if that could happen and everyone is healthy and we could do that, of course, everyone's going to be on board with that. But there are so many unknowns and that's where having finite answers right now and knowing exactly where we're going, that's, uh, it's not something that we, I don't personally want to put all my energy into needing to know the answers right now because I think that it's, it's something where you're just not going to get them. And being okay with not having all the answers right now is really where I find my own peace and knowing that I'm doing my best to get my finances in place, my company, my employees, my home life, my health in place so that no matter what happens, I have some semblance of control in my own life and everything else does what it does. Exactly. I think that's the biggest challenge because we all like certainty and so does the market. I mean, the market reacts strongly to uncertainty. And so 
I assume that we will continue to see volatility, that this volatility will continue so long as there is uncertainty and markets usually, um, there's more uncertainty in election years as well. Mm -hmm. So from a market perspective, not only are we dealing with COVID-19 as an entire world, um, but we're also in the U.S. dealing with an election year and then what was happening in the Middle East with oil prices. Mm -hmm. So um, with a flood of supply onto the oil market. So the, the stock market is reacting to all of those things. And in some cases, you know, it's kind of like the perfect storm. Um, and the perfect storm happens more than, than you think it would. Um, but I, again, like you said, I want to go back to that point. It's a really good question. And I'm glad, I'm sure a lot of people have that question. And I wish we had a concrete answer for you. Um, but what we can control and what we can give you a concrete answer for is controlling your own finances and making your own best financial decisions for your family. I know you were just on Sarah Small's show, The Uncensored yeah. Empath, um, and you guys had an incredible conversation around a lot of different things financially, but something that I love about what you teach and, and why I really wanted to have you on today, and Samantha Oliver, who works for me, um, recommended we have you because she loved what you talked about. Oh, but the okay. idea, yeah, the idea of money as energy and this flow and mm -hmm. where a lot of people stand right now, myself included, and I'll just use... I'll use Soulfire Productions, my company, as an example. So we have 10 shows and we have our clients that we support and work with. I don't know that I feel comfortable in this moment going out and trying to get clients and charging people money. We just mm -hmm. talked about people not being able to pay for groceries and rent. And for me to go out and ask for people to pay for production of a podcast, it just doesn't feel genuine in this moment. Maybe next mm -hmm. week different. And a lot of people that I'm talking to, their businesses are actually thriving in this time and they are continuing that flow of money and asking for it and paying for it and paying for services, still working with coaches or teachers, doing online seminars, whatever that looks like. I would love for you to talk about money as energy and how we can continue that flow of back and forth and not halting that energy. Yeah. Oh, yes. I like that a lot. Um, so as somebody with Crohn's disease, that is really the impetus for me turning inward and, and getting really connected with energy. Um, I recently learned that that I'm an empath. And so, you know, kind of you look back and you're like, oh, my entire life makes sense now. Um, <laughs> which is, it's just kind of a crazy realization to have. Um, but it, specifically with money, Money is so highly emotional and it's because of we all have feelings attached to money, intense feelings for things that we experienced growing up, things that we experienced in our adult life, relationships we've had, and we don't talk about it. So it's really hard to know um, how somebody else is, is dealing with this, how somebody else is feeling. And, and I think energy plays such a big role in that. There is such a charge that comes along with money because it's this black box of the unknown. So if we can reduce some of that charge, um, and I also think that there's kind of, you know, does the world, can the world pay for what I have to offer right now? And, um, you know, usually the answer is such an emphatic yes, but I feel it too. You know, it's kind of like, how do you hold both of those things? How do you 
how do you allow the energy um, to kind of pass through you instead of trying to you know prevent it? And the same is true for money. Yeah, how, how do we how do we use money and the energy and the charge that comes along with with money to to put something out into the world um, that is going to be really beneficial for a lot of people? Mm-hmm. It is. It's a hard place to be, and I I come back to the whole reason, and I I would love to challenge people to do this for themselves. Is getting back to their why? Mm-hmm. Why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. Why do you show up the way you do? For me, it's because I want to be of service to support other people and to help other people in a variety of ways. And that's why we created Soulfire is to support people who have voices and platforms that are helping other people heal or grow or evolve or become more self-aware, whatever that looks like. And if I don't show up fully in my work and I'm not supporting those voices, then how are they supposed to support all the people that they want to help? Mm. And I think that is part of this energy flow as well. It's, it, of course, it's about money, but it's also about the way we're showing up in the world and how are we being of service to others? Because what we all do for our careers in some way, shape, or form is of service to someone else. If you run a company, you are of service to your employees and helping feed all of their amazing families and keeping roofs over their head. If you are speaking on a podcast and helping elicit change in people's lives. Look at how many people you're impacting. And so I would love for people to come back to their why of why they show up the way they do, why it's important to them and how they can continue to do that. And maybe it looks different and maybe it evolves. Maybe you get creative because your back's against the wall and you have to think outside the box of what you had already created. And that's where I am right now. But it's an amazing opportunity to, instead of looking at, I'm not getting the same type of monetary flow I had. It's how can I evolve and grow with the times so that I continue to serve people in a big way. It just looks differently than I had thought it would. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but because I, I only kind of recognize that I'm an empath maybe about a year and a half ago now, I had a very hard time seeing that when I didn't show up for myself, that that was really hurting showing up for everyone else. In my head, it felt selfless. But in reality, um, it was selfish. And it was so hard to be able to see those two things. Um, Because especially with Crohn's, if you work yourself till, you know, your body is failing, which is exactly what I did, I can't show up for my husband. I can't show up for my family. I can't even show up for me. And um, that's part of why I left my previous position and started Rise Up Financial because I found it was like, you know, the light bulb went off and I found that energy and being able to show up for ourselves. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to, to spread that in the world too, that showing up for yourselves is the way to show up for, for others. I'm curious how this is not financial at all, but you brought up showing up for yourself and your husband and curious what it's been like for you guys in quarantine together and how you are navigating that and showing up for yourselves and filling your own cup before you show up for each other. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to be really honest. About Hit me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband, um, he runs a business that um, gives gas and diesel to emergency services. So he has to be going into work. Um, they have you know, truck drivers delivering to emergency vehicles. So everyone who's essential needs to be there. And so that, as somebody who's on an immune suppressant medication, um, it's, it's scary for me because he has to go, he has to go out in the world. He has to support emergency services and um, keep working. And, and on top of that, um, we've had some, his grandma is ill and, and she's in a nursing home and they're trying to figure out, does she go to the hospital and does she not go to the hospital? And so there's just a lot of life that's happening. Um, I also had a best friend who broke up with a long-term relationship. And so being there, you know, being there for my clients, being there for people who need financial support, being there for my husband. So it is, it's been hard, you know, by the time he comes home and, and we really need to have these conversations, um, we're tired. And so honestly, what we do is uh, we, so I live outside of the city. I live um, about 20 miles outside of Portland, Oregon, and, and we have a big giant field behind our house. And so we'll just go walk the field. And I think walking and processing helps reduce some of that tension and that heaviness that the world in nature definitely helps that. But it's hard. I mean, like you said, everybody's, it's a challenge. How about, how about you guys? Oh, girl. (laughs) Well, we have slept in separate beds the last three nights and not because we're fighting or hate each other or anything, but we run soul fire together. We have a podcast together. Um, and we're just obviously on top of each other in the house. And so space is a big thing for both of us. And I, I've slept in the guest room the last few nights. We have a puppy, so we're trying to keep the puppy in his routine. So Connor's downstairs in our room with the puppy. I take our older dog Dutch upstairs with me. And, um, it's actually been really nice because it's changed up the routine. It's given us a little different vibe. We don't wake up to each other and it's given us space in that way. And then the last couple of days we've had moments of bickering and kind of like you know, I've been crying because I am also an empath and I take on a lot of energy and I'm sensitive. And so I feel like I'm crying and processing everyone else's stuff who uh, mm-hmm. my friend Kristen, who's on this call right now, can resonate with. We've been going back and forth about that. Um, but we haven't really talked much today. And it's been really nice because I know that at the end of the day, we're going to have some things to talk about that we didn't talk about all day long. And there'll be some curiosity of how was your day? How did the call go? How was this podcast? How was your hike this morning? And I think that that can greatly benefit you. But I would say showing compassion and grace to your partner and yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing that little things that would never bother you are going to create a shit storm Mm -hmm. and that that's okay. And just to have a little bit of space and there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean you guys aren't doing a great job. It doesn't mean you're failing or that the relationship is doomed. It means that we're in the middle of a crisis and everyone is doing their best. And that's all we can ask. I love that. You, you have to kind of look at the facts sometimes um, versus just sitting in the emotion. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, so my husband, he, he's a, are you an Enneagram person? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he, he's a three and I, I call, I'm a one and I call it his work mode. And, um, in a lot of ways he's in sales and he comes home and he's like, I'm his best customer. 
<laughs> and so um, this especially happens when he's in stress. And so, yeah, every when he comes home, it's like there's work mode, work mode. Okay, go build something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, go in the garage and build something. Here are the Legos I bought you. <laughs> so seriously, I'm like, okay, there's a stack of Ikea furniture just for this oh scenario. God. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, it, it's about kind of giving your, yourself grace and asking for what you need in a compassionate way and then letting your spouse show up for you in that way. That's so good. Ask for what you need. Everyone ask for what you need. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, thank you so much for being on with me. We had so many people join, so many great questions. I love your insight and your transparency with all of this. Um, And I just appreciate you spending this time. Thank you. You're so welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for everyone who's listening and everyone who will listen later. Um, We're all in this together. So ask for what you need and give compassion. A quick reminder about some of the other podcasts that we have over here at Soul Fire Productions. One that I think many of you will really appreciate, especially given the state of this conversation and talking financial planning, business planning, what to do as an entrepreneur or business owner at this time, Cut the Crap podcast hosted by my girlfriend, Kristen Hinman, is absolutely perfect for you. She is diving into unfiltered business advice with strategies for entrepreneurs who are really committed to doing what it takes to achieve growth and success but she does it in a way that is very digestible. And she also understands what's going on right now. She's a business owner. Her husband is a business owner. She has two children and she's really focused on showing up in a very supportive, understanding, compassionate way right now. I think you'll get a ton out of her podcast, especially if you're at home, binge listening to things, really wanting to learn a lot. This is a great place for you to do that. She's the founder and creative director of a digital marketing agency called PR Media. She is the backbone of Soulfire Productions. She helped create the entire strategy for our company and help us grow. And she's really ready to work with brands and individuals who want to leverage their name and their success into a profitable business in the online marketing world. So if you want to check that out, head to Cut the Crap Podcast on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Of course, leave a review because that's what we're here for, supporting one another. And give Kristen a shout out. She's doing incredible work. I'm so grateful for her at this time as well. And I know you will love Cut the Crap. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, If you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.